0: A while ago i was uh, I had a friend who uh, decided that he would build a tree house and Before you begin to get in your head an idea of what that m- means, what I mean by that is he decided to build a house in a tree uh, and I was so excited I was pumped uh, i 'd grown up watching Tarzan, so I thought this was maybe the coolest thing that 's ever happened uh, and so we were we were getting ready he'd drawn the plans up it was all 'm mostly council approved and we, we, we arrived there on set uh, like on set i love I love arts and crafts um but but I arrived there on the day, and I was so excited for to to kind of get stuck in and uh I turned up ready to help i'd you know been to bunnings um so I had some gloves that was pretty well all I bought to the party. This was before my long and illustrious career in YouTube-based DIY projects, so I was well out of my depth, and so I arrived, and uh, Pete, who was building this thing, and and, uh, all of his friends who knew words began to kind of talk about things and begin to say things like joists and hangers, talk about the gauge of screws, and I just nodded along thinking, this is fantastic, awesome, I feel like masculinity is rubbing off on me. This is going to be very useful for me. And then they began to kind of plan out, think about what their day is going to look like for them. And uh, it became very apparent that my main contribution to that day was simply being there. I began yeah, like cutting some two buys, some four buys, maybe as well. And uh, yeah. They began doing all of this stuff and they were, they, they had this plan and they were all, they knew what they were doing. They got so busy and I knew my biggest contribution was simply being around. And, uh, and it was great, but I realized, uh, because that's one of my favorite things to do is simply just be around. I realized very quickly that there is a massive, a significant difference between being part of building something and being at something that's being built. If you've ever, if you've ever turned up to a construction site uninvited, uh, there is a massive difference between you building the thing that they're building and you simply being around something that is being built. The reality is for a lot of us, for perhaps all of us in our walk following Jesus, there is a moment that each one of us has maybe experienced or has to face. It's this question Am I part of building this? Or is my part simply being around it being built? And what we are going to do, and what I'm so excited about for this month of February, is we are having a look at what is the mission, the vision, what's the heartbeat of Hope Center, as we do, because I believe all of us are faced with this conundrum. Maybe some of you, this has been your experience, and it's been off-putting. Maybe this has been your experience as as you've turned up to church, really excited to be part of building something and feeling like your only contribution is being around. Just sitting in a seat on a Sunday, feeling like watching from the periphery is your greatest contribution. And I'm excited today because we are going to begin journeying through what is our mission as Hope Center. And I want it to become very clear. I want it to challenge you. I want it to inspire you that your calling, that your place in this church is far bigger than simply being around something that is being built, but that God has a place and a purpose and a part for you to play in seeing his kingdom come on this earth, in our city, in our time. And like I said, if you are new today, you're just kind of checking out church, this is a great day for you to be here because this is a day that you get to kind of watch on from the outside and ask the question, what on earth is this whole thing about, right? Have you ever gone to see a movie and not had a clue what it was about? And halfway through, you're like, this is not for me. My hope is today that you, we would just kind of get that out in the open. This is the synopsis of what church is about. And you get to make a decision. I trust that God is going to speak to your life, that he is going to put a purpose and a plan in your heart, that you would say, yes, this is what I am about. But if you're sitting here and you're like, no. It's just better to get that out there in the open. Don't you think? This is the worst sales pitch of attending a church you will ever hear. But at least it's out there in the open. If you're new at church, it's like, hey, what on earth is this whole thing about? I want to begin to walk that through. And you can sit here at the start before you get deep into the thing and just be like, no. Perhaps there is another church, a, a, a different place for you to be part of that maybe you'll feel like you fit. But today we're going to begin to look at what this is all about. And my heart is that it's going to challenge you it's going to inspire you, and then most of all that this morning you are going to encounter the power of God to empower you to outwork this in our lives so here's here's the central truth. Uh, over the next four weeks, we are going to be journeying through, just kind of week by week, taking a piece of the mission statement of this church. mean, what I what I do want to get out there really quick is, we do not think for a moment that we are preaching from Hope Center, chapter one, verse one, right? We, the, we know this is not the Bible. We know that we are not just kind of like journeying through this like it is scripture. But what we have as a church is a mission statement. You know, if you're working a Anything now. Everybody's got a mission statement, a vision statement, a value statement, a this statement. Like everybody's got statements. Everyone's got a statement about everything. We don't have much. All we've got is just one mission statement. But here is the central thrust behind this whole thing. This is the central truth that undergirds all of this. Our church has a mission statement, but our church really doesn't have a mission. Right? This is not going going to win no you know MBAs, which I believe is the business version of the NBA. <laughs> right? This is not going to wow anybody of a business mind, but get, get it. here's what you have to hear before we jump into any of this. Our church does not have a mission. Our God has a mission, and his mission has a church. And before we jump into the nuts and bolts of what it is and how we've articulated this, it is so important that right up front, we begin with this idea. We have not initiated the mission that this church is on. At no point are we going to stand up here and be like, well, we've got this five-year thing, and this this is going to be this and that and the other, and we we move this and that, and we are so clever. We've devised such a clever plan that God is going to have to do something to help us achieve this. No, 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 no. We did not initiate the mission of this church. God has a mission. His mission has a church. And this church has a particular part to play in outworking that mission. Here's why that's so important. We, If we begin with a mindset that what we are doing is playing a part in outworking the mission that God has for this house, for the world, we have to stop and we begin to realize that starting from the vantage point of not initiating this, that we realize that what we are doing in our moment is what God is doing universally. We re- we recognize that what we are doing as hopes and locally is part of what God is doing globally. We aren't the only thing that God is doing in the world. We aren't the only thing that God is doing in this city. We are simply saying, God, would you use us to outwork your plan for our city in our time. There is a, there is a butterfly uh, called the Painted Lady Butterfly. Um, it's not very into makeup, but it is very pretty. Uh, and the Painted Lady Butterfly, every year, annually, goes on about a 12,000-kilometer round trip from Europe to Sub-Sah- uh, Sub-Sahara Africa and back. This journey takes about six generations of the butterfly to accomplish. What what stands out to me about this butterfly, it, it speaks to me about the mission and the purpose of our church, is that the reality is we have not initiated, we did not start the thing that God is doing. We may not end the thing that God is doing, but our job is to do what Acts 13 said of David, is to serve the Lord faithfully in our generation. Because if any one of those butterflies, maybe number two, is like, hey, look, the past generation was doing some pretty cool things, but they were kind of more about like growth and they were more about just really making a name for themselves. And so we're out. We're done. And just check out. Or maybe it's just like, hey, some previous generations of butterflies didn't get it all perfectly right, so we're out. If any one of the generations of butterflies that made that round trip decided that they would be the ones that pull up stumps and quit, none of those butterflies would end up in the place that they had set out to accomplish. And so our job is not to initiate, our job is not to end, our job is to faithfully steward what God has begun in us, which which the word said he is faithful and able to bring to completion and serve God well in our moment participating with him in his job, in his mission, in what he's doing. And what I love about that is it means that we can stand and wide-eyed wonder and celebrate what other churches in our city are doing. We can stand and celebrate what other ministries around the world are doing. When we stop and recognize that we didn't come up, we're not that clever to come up with something just breathtaking, we can stop and we can, with humility, recognize that, you know what, God, we, we, we cannot have a pride that looks at us as though we're better than everybody else. No, we are just humble, happy participants in what God is in the business of doing. It means, as well, that Hope Center is not here for Hope Center. Hope Center is here for Jesus. Hope Center is here to see his name made great, not our name made great. We are not here in this series, and if you would just permit me for just a few moments longer to lay this series up. Hope Center is not here to make a great church. We are here to be a great church to see his kingdom come. Come on, we're not in the business of building up brands and egos and titles and doing all of these things so that people can look at us and say, wow. What a great church. No, we're going to be the healthiest church we can so people would look at us and do what Jesus prayed in John 17. Wow, that they love one another so much. Wow, that they worship me so much. There must be something different about them. That we would be a people that are knit together, joined together in love, that we would make known the name of Jesus in our city and beyond. This is, I, I, need to, I need to get this right out there because I know that for four weeks, talking about a mission statement, it could feel pretty dry. The Hope Center does not, first and foremost, we did not cleverly devise a mission. We recognize the mission of God and we say, God, may we be active, faithful participants in what you are doing in our city. Amen? So what is it that God is, is doing? What is the mission of God? If you've heard this term before, maybe you've heard the, the idea of Missio Dei. We, we went through this last year if you were around. But if you weren't, or if you walked out uh, with the youth last year, um, the, uh, the mission of God, very simply, let me quickly summarize it like this. The mission of God is very simply to fill the earth with his glory by making himself known. God wants to fill the earth with his glory by making himself known. And so in the beginning, he created the world and it was perfect. Humanity was known to God. However, we had a good run at it and we tried to do it ourselves. And in that moment, humanity went from being known and whole to being lost and broken. In our state of sin, we had no way out and we had no way to put ourselves back Together we became lost and broken. But God didn't quit on us then. He sent his son, which in John tells us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to save the lost and he came to serve the broken. So we were known and whole. Then we were lost and broken. Jesus came to save the lost and heal the broken and he went about that by doing many things. It's not just a matter of just kind of doing good works. No, he made it known what the kingdom of God would look like. He made it known what it looks like when God has his way in the earth. How did he go about doing that? In in uh, in Mark, it says that he opens the scroll and it says that he began to read out what it would look like. He says that the day has come and it is finally now here that I have come, with, that I've been filled with the Spirit of God, so that blind eyes would be open. Lepers would be cleansed. The demoniacs would be freed. And he would preach the acceptable day of the Lord's favor. Jesus came, saving the lost and healing the broken. And then he turns to us in John 20 21. And he says, the same way the Father has sent me, saving the lost and healing the broken, I now send you. He doesn't just let us go about having a crack at that by ourselves. No, he sends. Then it says that he then breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered by the Spirit to go about proclaiming the gospel and demonstrating what that looks like. We go about into the world giving, giving help to the needy, healing the sick, restoring blind eyes. You and I are sent out to make known the name of Jesus, casting out demons, giving dignity to those without it, bringing justice To his people by proclaiming and demonstrating what that gospel message is all about. In other words, we are here that what God has sent us to do. The thing that he has started from the beginning. Filling the earth with his glory by making himself known. He sends us to show and tell the good news of Jesus. He sends us out. And here's the good news that there is coming a day that he shall return. And make fully real the mission that he began at the start. That there will come a day that humanity, that all that is lost will be made completely known. And there is coming a day that all that which is broken and damaged and hurt by sin will be made right. And God will come and make the world whole. This is the mission of God, to fill the earth with his glory by making himself known. And he sends us out. In our moment, our job is to see the lost saved and the hurting served. Our job, the the part that we play is saying and showing the good news of Jesus. But But catch this. This is not limited to just the work of a few. They're serving and saving the saying and showing this is not just the work of just a few people. This is not the job of those that can have a microphone in their hand. No, the work and the mission of God is the work given to all people empowered by the Spirit to continue and partner with God in seeing His glory made known in the earth. It is certainly not the work of an organization. It is certainly not the work of programs. It is certainly not the work of Pathways. It is the work of the people of God. It is the work and the mission of the people of Hope Center, me and you. So here it is. This is the mission of our church. This is how we summarize our part to play in doing what God has been doing from the beginning of time. It says this this is the way that we would describe what it is that we do. It says that we bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people and cities. This is the mission of our church. We bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people and cities. And today I want to focus in on that first part. Just that we bring. Come with me to Ephesians 4. We're going to read a large passage of scripture. I'm going to pull some things out. And then we're going to pray that God would empower us to partner with him in what he is doing. It says this, Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, can I tell you, it is so much better to be a prisoner of the law than a slave to anything else? You're being set free and he is freedom. So when you were a slave to him, you were a slave to freedom. This is As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Friends, can I tell you that what this tells me is that each one of us has a calling. That if you belong to Jesus, you have a calling. It doesn't say each of you earn a title. It doesn't say each of you try and attain to the thing that God is calling you to be. It says, no, no, no. He has adopted you. He has named you. He has given you a pride of place in him. And now because of that, it is time for us to step into what is truest about us. See, the work of of doing this, the work of being part of this is not a way for God to be pleased in us. It's not a way for God to love us. No, no, no. This is the way of the people of God to say, I have a calling that he has given me. That I didn't earn, that I didn't deserve, but that he has gifted to me. Through the new life that he has given to me. That he says, live into The calling that you have received, live it out. Give yourself to it. He goes on and says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Here are some lines in scripture you're just like, that'd be great to tweak. Um, Be patient, bearing with... One another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, which, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all, but to each one of us. Did you catch that? Not just to a few of us. It says, but to each one of us. Friends, if you're here and you're just like, I only just made it through that door really considering myself a Christian, each one of us. If you are an old saint that has been doing this your entire life, you have a grace apportioned to you. If you're just like, I'm just trying to get my head around what this really means, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned us. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then it's in brackets, which I love. It's like it's almost like he's saying it out of the side of his mouth. Why does he ascend Except to mean that he descended to the lower. Earthly regions, who so he descended. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Friends, God is not just trying to make his name great in one place he is in. He is in pursuit of making his glory known everywhere. It says that he will fill creation with his glory. It says that he will fill his people with his glory. It says that he will redeem everything. Jesus is in is in the mission of making his his, his ascent, his glory known to fill the whole universe. Even Pluto, who's still feeling bad about not being a planet, or maybe he is a planet anymore. But whatever it is, the whole thing, Christ is over and in and sustaining all things. And so, because of this, Christ himself, not man, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip who? His people. His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Look at what this says. It says that it is he gave his people... His body, His fullness. See, this whole church thing cannot, can never be about just us. This is Christ-initiated. It is Christ-glorifying. It is Christ-oriented. It is never about us getting our glory and our programs and our this and our that and our shape and our worship sounding like something. No, no, no. This whole thing is about Jesus. Jesus. The whole thing, the whole endeavor is all about Jesus. And we cannot, and that's why I love that we're starting this year by stopping and reorienting ourselves around the chief cornerstone and saying there can be times that church can try and morph itself into something that it was never created to be. And because it was never created to be that, it does not have the grace to sustain that. And we see time and time again when churches step out of the mission of God, people get hurt. And so we refuse to be anything other than what he initiated, he sustains, and he remains the center of all things. Our Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the chief message, and the chief purpose of all that we are doing. This whole thing is about Jesus. Look at what he says, though. In order to accomplish what he has done, it says that he gave himself... The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, I don't have time to go into all of that, but if you look truly at what they are, they are the fullness of the ministry of Christ. Christ himself is the true uh, apostle who went out ahead to make known the glory and the victory of God. He himself is the true prophet who makes real the scripture. He himself is the uh, true evangelist that calls people home. He is the one that cares. He is the one that instructs. This is the ministry of Christ that he gives to the body of Christ. Says the cry, he he ascends and then in his descent he turns around and he gives to the church the entirety of his ministry. But look at what happens. I don't know if you're a math nerd, but um, come with me. Everybody, you know, in, in, if this is new news to you, again talk to all of the NBA players. Um, but everybody knows that. If you times anything by less than a quotient of one, it decreases, right? If anything less than the whole thing is multiplied, you get less than what was there, right? If right? if you start and you've got ten people and you multiply ten by anything less than one, you get less than ten. So Christ Himself gives His whole ministry to who to do what. To equip his whole body. right? It's not just to equip some of the people. No, it's to equip his people. That is, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. He gives his ministry to equip his whole people. So that what? We can build his body. Which is all of us. So that we can reach... Unity in the faith, and knowledge of the Son of God, so that we can become mature and do what? Reach the full measure of Christ. And what is wild about this, and, 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 and again, I don't want to lay anything heavy on you today, but what I do want to draw your attention to is this. Christ gives his whole, if we can throw that up, Christ gifts to the body... He gives his ministry to the body to equip the body, to mature the body, to reach the fullness of Christ. And so if we only ever just readily receive teaching from people, if we only readily receive some of the gifts that God has given to the church, and we say, oh, the prophetic, I'm not really about that. Or somebody wants to open the Bible and begin to lead us into truth. And we're like, "Mm, I'm more of the spiritual time. And we reject the gifts that God has given the body. What's going to end up? We're going to end up with less than the fullness of Christ. But equally, if you open yourself to say, God, I want to be instructed. I want to be built up by the gifts that you have given the church. But I'm going to check out at this point. The gifts and less than the full body choose to participate in the maturing of the body. We run the risk of falling short of of really experiencing the fullness that Christ has given to the church. And this is crazy, because it says to me that the the role and responsibility of all of us is to do the works that Christ has prepared for us to do. This is why it says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, that Christ has saved us, he set us apart, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The ESV says that we might do them, not that we would do them, Just that God has set you apart to be part of equipping and maturing his body. So that not just you, but the you beside you could experience the fullness of the maturity that Christ is wanting to form in them. This is not just for the elites in church. As if there is such a thing. This is for the every person who calls on the name of Jesus. Maybe it might feel some days that your role, your job is not that spectacular, but you have to know you are essential in each one of us experiencing what God is wanting to do in the earth. That there is a mandate, there is a mission that He has for you to do so that each one of us can feel and experience and grow in unity, which is hard. And in the knowledge of God, which means it's not just about how much about God we can know. You don't just need lots of people to tell you everything about God. No, you need lots of people around you to help stretch and pull and, pull and form and make you just step out into those uncomfortable places of forgiving and nurturing and correcting and instructing and encouraging so that you can dwell together in unity and in doing so, make the name of Jesus known. Every single one of us has a part to play, a calling and a purpose and a mission. And friends, what I want to do today is simply just call you off the sidelines of feeling like I am just simply part of something. I'm just at something that's being built, but that you would begin to see yourself as central to the building process. That you would begin to see yourself as as part of what God has pulled together to see his kingdom come in our city. That it's not just that God will do it because just some unknown faces are going to achieve these things on your behalf. No, you are central to the outworking of God's kingdom come in our moment. You need the person next to you to help encourage you to see Christ formed in you. Some of their encouragement might just be that they're annoying. I'm on stage, there's no one beside me, so I'm safe. If you look sideways, you're that person. God gives the church, gives the body, his ministry to build the body, to reach maturity. So that we can see the fullness of Christ, you have a role to play. There is a part for you to play, and that is why the mission of this church is not just that Hope Center will accomplish on your behalf, but that we bring the message. We do this. This is us. This is the charge of Christ to His church. That you, friend, you have a part to play in this story. We bring... Friends, i got to tell you that we are not an organization. i I, I, I got I to tell you, I, one of my pet peeves is when people talk about church and it's like, oh, you know, my organization. Primary friends, primary, we are not an organization. We are a people organali- organized around the person of Christ. To build the body of Christ. To bring the message of Christ. In our church, in our time. There are two ways that we do this. You're probably thinking, oh good, now he's going to turn and your mind's probably gone one of two places. It's like, oh, I've got a role to play. Your mind's either gone to, well, now he's going to invite us to volunteer at church. Or your mind's going to the place of, well, amazing, there's nothing for me to do at church, this is just a private thing. And you know what? You're right. Both. Both. I've oh got a big people-pleasing streak in me. <laughs> but here it is Here's how we outwork this. Here's how we outwork this practically. There is, there is two distinctions that this happens. That we bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people in cities. Practically at church and pervasively as church. This is how we outwork. This is how we bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people in cities. We do that by practically serving at church. By contributing to the the, the the workings of us gathered. And we do this pervasively as the church that God has called. Let me explain those two things. First thing, practically at church, Romans 12 verse 6 to 8, it says that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Your gift is prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Don't overdo it. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. I want to say that as well, according to your faith. Um if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is what it says that he was given to the whole that Christ is given to the whole church, the apostles, you know, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the, the, the pastors and the teachers. He's given them all of this to equip his people for works of service. Your mind goes to one of two places. Either that's just, I'm going to do this completely out of the church, or I do that exclusively in the church. But you've got to see that there are two distinctions. This is true of both us at church and as church. That, that, that what we have to see is that there is a practicality that, the, that we are built up to minister. You may have heard this. It's said it like this, that they have to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's like, well, ministry, (laughs) that sounds fancy. You know what ministry is? I'm like, I'm going to burst somebody's bubble. You know what to minister to somebody is? It's to serve them. Just to meet their needs. You know, the saints would minister to the people of Israel. How? By just giving them the proper cracker. Friends, if we are going to bring the message of Jesus, if we're going to partner with God in seeing his kingdom established on our earth, there are things practically at church that you are invited to be part of. Yeah. Yeah. That in fact, we need you to serve the person next to you in order for, for us to all be built up in unity together. There are works of service. There is ministry for you to do at church. Some of it looks like holding a door crushing it. Some of it looks like standing in the heat. What on earth is up with this humidity? Just pointing at open car spaces like we haven't enjoyed car parks the rest of our lives. It's like suddenly Sunday morning. It's like, where am I going to park? Oh, thank goodness. Somebody's pointing at it. But what is that doing? It's making it easy for you to get into the building. And it just is, it looks like serving somebody's needs. Practically, there are things for each one of us to do to serve the needs of those within our community so that we can create spaces that we can be built up in maturity. Practically, there are things for us to do. We've got kids ministries. We've got youth ministry. We had, oh, we had hundreds of kids out just worshiping Jesus. That doesn't happen without people saying, I am going to serve at church. There's shower trucks, there's alpha, there's coffee machines. Thank God for the coffee machine. It's, it's honestly one of the greatest gifts to me being in unity. But here's the thing there are, if we are going to be built up, we need people, all of us, to serve each other at church. I'm unapologetic for that. I I truly believe that there is a practicality of the at-church nature of us serving one another. We are equipped for works of service. We are equipped to attend to the needs of the community that we are part of. This isn't just, well, we've got to gather so that we can go. No, who is it serving? It's the body of Christ. So you've, you've actually been equipped to serve people in church as well. There is a there is a thing that we have been called to do to serve one another in this place. That 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 we are, but we've got to see that that this serving that we are doing, the works of ministry that we are doing, is not just to nail a program. It's not to just have a good Sunday service. It's not to just tick off a run sheet. It's not to just kind of be there and be feel like we're part of hope center doing good. No, you have to learn to see, if, if this is primarily where your brain goes when we begin to talk about just serving one another, you have to learn to see your service different. That it is not just serving hope center, but that your serving is to equip one another to be built in maturity so that we're all reaching the fullness of faith. You have to re-see that if you're holding the door open, you're just creating a place for people on the outside to come into a space like this so that they can be built up. If you're serving at youth, you're creating an environment that young people, in the midst of all of the dangers and the wackiness that is being a teenager, that somebody is going to speak to them and say, I believe in you. God has a calling for you. There is a purpose on your life. There is a destiny that looks different to everybody else if you would just come to Jesus. You have to serve each other, but you have to see it different. That it is to see Christ formed in us. Maybe friend it is time for you to consider or reconsider. How at church you can serve. But equally on the flip side. It is important that we relook how as the church we can serve. See there is a practical at church serving. But there is equally perhaps more importantly the as the church pervasive nature of our serving. Your purpose, friends, and you got to hear this because I know that you can be serving at times in church and life can change and seasons can change and you can get busy. Friends, can I tell you your value to us is not based on your availability? It's not just where at church you can serve that you have value to us. Forget that. Your purpose is not primarily our programs. Your purpose, our purpose, is to serve each other so that we can be built up to reach the full maturity of Christ. So what does it look like for us to pervasively, as the church, serve each other? Well, in Ephesians 4, two, we read it at the start. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Friends, one of the greatest ways we can see the mission of our church outworked is simply be followers of Jesus. Simply outwork the faith that you have. Romans 12, in the message version, it says it like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And here's what's wild, and here's where I want to take this as we begin to draw it to a close. You have to begin to see the way that you follow Jesus in your everyday work as part and parcel, as central to outworking the mission of Hope Center in your everyday life. Sometimes it can feel like, you know what, if I just, if I just raise my kids well, sometimes that looks like, you know what, we had a really late Saturday night, and if I wake those gremlins up today... And drag them to church. No one's going to be more unified. Sometimes it just looks like listening to the Spirit for your kid and and just leading and raising them in a healthy way. Friends, can I tell you that counts? That is part of building the mission that is Hope Centers. Being a good spouse or a, 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 a good spouse, being a good friend—that's part of the mission of this house. Being a worker that works diligently as to the Lord. That is part of the mission of this house. That, that, that praying for a sick friend or family member. That is part of the mission of this church. You forgiving and living out the law of love, that is the mission of Hope Center. You changing the landscape of your classroom because you're a peacemaker. You altering the course of someone's life by offering encouragement. You feeding the hungry. You lifting the burden from the lonely. You preaching the gospel. You casting out demons. You praying and seeing blind eyes open. You bringing justice for the oppressed in your spheres. Friends, that is us bringing the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people in cities. I refuse to to lower the mission of this house to simply arriving on a Sunday and doing some programs. But if we can begin to see with eyes of faith, no, when I follow him well in my world, I am part and parcel of the mission of this house in seeing his kingdom come in my day. We've got to learn to see with new eyes of faith that I am part of the work that God is doing in and through this house when I simply turn up to work on time. When I encourage that person that feels like they're down and out, that's the mission of our church. And we all do this. And together, leading one another into truth, lifting lies that people are living off off one another, discipling, encouraging Praying for one another, friends. Can I tell you, you being part of a life group, not only just leading up, but you being part of a life group and discipling one another—that is you being part of the mission of this church. We're going to see, see that it is part of who we are. It is central to the mission of this church these two distinctives exist. There is the at church and the "as church distinctive, but you got to see that this is not for the few. It's for you. It's for me, it's that we bring a message. And why is that? What, what happens? Come with me down to Ephesians 4:13. It says, "Then we will no longer be infants." Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Friends, it is only when we bring that the transformation has its full effect. So here's my question How do you see yourself? out of building or just at the building? Do you see yourself contributing, participate? How do you see yourself in this? Because I do, I, friends, I, with everything in me, I don't want a church that looks for the organization to accomplish what the body is meant to do. I do not, I, I like, I, like, I don't want to be part of, 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 of a people, part of a community that is sitting back, looking at the hurts in the world, looking at, at people around, being like, oh, somebody needs to help. When is the cavalry coming? Friends, it is time for us to see ourselves as the cavalry. We're the backup. We're the ones that God has sent into the world to lift and redeem those that are lost and broken. We are the ones that He has equipped with His Holy Spirit to say, I have been called for such a time as this, and I will serve the Lord faithfully in my generation. We bring the message of Jesus in a way that transforms people and cities. Friends, you are invited to participate that, both at church and as the church. What God is doing what he is setting Hope Center aside, what he has apportioned us as a people to do is significant. My question is, are you going to see yourself as part of that? When we do begin to see ourselves, not only only do we begin to look at church differently, Expecting different things from it. But we begin to see ourselves different. When we begin to recognize that we've been called and set apart. We realize that there is an identity for us. God has a purpose. He has a calling. That there is a name. In 1 Peter 2 it says, You are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and in to his wonderful light.